You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me is a friend, Amy Banovich. Amy, welcome. Hi, Dirk. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, so Amy is an office managing partner with one of the big four accounting firms, KPMG. I'm going to let Amy kind of get into that here in a little bit. But Amy is a friend of mine that I've known for a few years. Uh, I've had the privilege of kind of hanging out with you right before the Christmas holiday season and super cool. And one of the things I love about Amy is Amy and uh, her husband, John, uh, we always attend a Christmas party uh, at my mom's. And I always seem to gravitate towards them as a couple. Uh, super cool. And it's you guys are just awesome to talk to. I apologize this year. We didn't get a lot of time. It was kind of a weird, right. um, <laughs> a weird night. It was just kind of a blur, but good to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, this is uh, this isn't going to be a fun experience. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm excited because, you know, it's interesting. I know people in your world um, that and, but I don't really know a lot about what it's like to work for one of the big four. I know that you have 650, 700 people that you manage. You have a big, big job. Maybe we can just have you tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Um, and then we'll kind of go backwards and kind of talk about how you got into it. Yeah, so so I'm an office managing partner of KPMG and each of the big four, each of the big accounting firms have, have an office leader. Um, and so I'm an audit partner. So that's that's what I've been for many years. I've been in the audit, in our audit function. And so I work on large companies. I focus on large health systems and health insurers and preparing financial their annual financial statements. Um, but as an office managing partner, I'm kind of the face of the office in the community. Um, I work with all of our people and kind of our people things, you know, our annual town halls, our, our holiday parties are bringing things that are, are good for, for our people on a daily basis. Um, you know, our office lease and our office space. So I work on all of that, but I also work with all of the functions. So we have, uh, audit tax and advisory and, um, we, those three functions do different things. Um, but I kind of bring it all together and go to market um, together as kind of one whole firm and um, connect with those in, in the community. And the other thing is, is like I said, I'm the face of the community. So I'm on a number of boards. And for me, it's about networking, about getting our name out, getting our values out. And and actually, that's that's one thing that's really important for our office and what we do. And we take a lot of pride in it is that we do a lot of community service um, and and you know, reach out to the community and volunteer our time and, and money or time. So that's yeah. kind of in a nutshell what I do. So is that, so you've been, have you been doing that? I know you've been with your company for about 22 years. Have you been in that role for that long or is that a new role for you? It's fairly new. Um, December of 2020, um, I was appointed to this, this role, which was not the easiest time to be an office managing partner because there was no office to manage. We were all at home and I was managing my house at that, yeah. po at that point. So it was a little different. Um, so it, yeah, it's fairly new, you know, it's been, it's been three going on four years and, um, 
I, I was just in the audit function before that and which I enjoyed, but I honestly, this, this is my dream job. This is, I, this is what I like to do. I'm, I'm more of a people person. I've loved my years of client service and I still do that. That's still part of what I do. Um, but it was nice to be able to do something different and something that is even more people oriented and taking care of people within the, the firm. And um, so it's, it's been a fun change, but I still do both. So got a full so, plate. So, okay. So I'm trying to think how to ask this. Um, sometimes I just kind of, so I, 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 when I met you, like, I think of you as someone who's super social, like, like somebody who's not a salesperson, but like just really warm, good energy. And then when I think of like a stereotypical accounting firm <laughs> auditing, I think of not boring, but I think of just head down numbers, spreadsheets, data. Um, is that accurate? Like your life before your current role, was it just like, I know there's social interaction, getting along with people, but is it a, an accurate assumption that your line of work involves it's kind of a data driven where the social the warmth all these things that you're doing now is that part of your previous role so in the early years of of my career and and of someone getting into public accounting it is about kind of data and accounting and heads down work um that changes over time as you move up the ranks from from an associate to a senior associate to a manager um, it's a client service firm. And so we're, you know, we're professional services and it, it ends up being about relationships and you, you have to have a personality um, to sell work, to keep clients happy, know how to deal with people. So in the early years, I mean, you get your accounting degree and um, if you're going into audit or tax and, and you, you do a lot of the the number crunching and the detailed work and the writing of memos and, and all of that. But as you move along in your career, it becomes more about, you know, I present to boards all the time for my clients. And so then it becomes about being able to present and talk to people and speak clearly and, and concisely and, and in a way that people can understand. And um, so it really kind of changes. It's an evolution throughout your career in, um, in public accounting. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like you have a wide range of skill sets that maybe in accounting, not everybody has. And I'm not saying anything negative about people in accounting, but when I met you, I was like, it, it kind of not surprised me, but I was thinking she seems like she could be a CEO of a company or, you know, out in the, and it's kind of what you're doing now, but um, it's an interesting uh, balance that you have, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You're imagining me in my like green shades and my dream, yeah, <laughs> my green hat and my little pencil and calculator in my pocket. <laughs> well, see, I, I mean, I'm a numbers. I mean, I'm in lending, so I deal with numbers all the time. But I'm super social and um, I'm a more, I'm a sensitive guy. Like, so it's, I might not be ideal for my industry because it comes down to numbers and. But it's always about relationships. Um, is that kind of what you wanted to do from? An early, I mean, if you could take us back to like high school, college, were you thinking accounting all along or what were you thinking back then? No, I was terrible at math. I hated math in, in like, I look back to like first grade. I remember standing in my first grade classroom, crying in front of my entire class with my teacher because I just didn't understand math. I just, I couldn't get it. And, and so it wasn't anything that I gravitated towards, I think I took an accounting class in 
in high school, but math just was not my, what I felt like was not my thing. So I got to college and was taking business classes, thought I wanted to be kind of the, go the lawyer attorney route, um, but ended up taking, taking an accounting class and something clicked. I, I don't know what it was, but like, I, I think I got 99% in the first college exam in, in accounting. I'm like, well, maybe that, maybe there's something there. And then you have to take calculus and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to get calculus, but I ended up doing well in that. And so I'm like, okay, something, some switch flipped, you know, and, and I ended up discovering something that I didn't know I was actually good at. And I, I think that's one thing to, to keep an open mind. Like you might not like it, but it may be because you're not trying it in the right way or giving yourself time um, and giving yourself, like for me, it, I just had to study a lot. Like I, I was a studier, like heads down, study, study, study. I had to go over things three times before I really, really had it in my brain. Um, but that's how I, it, my, I feel like my whole brain shifted uh, when I did that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I kind of want to go there for a little deeper on that because like, I think a lot of people have voices in their head. I, I did, you know, my dad was a lot about money and what looked good and kind of superficial. So I, I found myself looking at careers that align with kind of his definition of success. And, but I'm thinking about the people watching this and they're thinking that, you know, they don't, they don't think they're good at something, but the reality is you don't really know until you kind of give it a shot. And um, I guess when you got that good grade in accounting and you're like, Hmm, was there another area that you thought in the back of your head, like, were you thinking lawyer or were you, I mean, what was the motivational fact? Like what was, what was in Amy's head in terms of what she thought she wanted to do? Yeah. I wanted to be an attorney like my brother. My brother okay. was in law school and I thought that was the route that I wanted to go. But when I, when I did well in that accounting class, I actually went and had lunch with my mom and I'm like, I don't know what this is all about, but it seems like it's a really good career path, a really good career path for, for women is what I'm seeing. And I don't know, it's kind of coming, coming easier than, than other things. And, and so that was kind of the point in time that I switched to, to that major and, and just kind of took that path forward. Okay. And then you went, you graduated from college and then you went right into the world of accounting. I did. Yeah. I actually, I went to the university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, I grew up in Wisconsin and I was, went through the whole recruiting process. So when you're an accounting major, um, there's a very formal recruiting process that, you know, when you work with your university and your business school, they'll, they'll be able to tap you into, into that process. And it's very certain times a year for interviews and things like that. And so I interviewed with all of the what was big eight at the time, um, which is interesting. And then it whittled down to this to six. Um, I think I had, I think I had four offers um, and Arthur Anderson was one of them. And Arthur Anderson at the time um, really was viewed as like the top, you know, there you were, you were fortunate if you got an offer from, from Arthur Anderson. And so I was hired by Arthur Anderson in Milwaukee, um, but ended up, transferring out before I ever even started in the Milwaukee office. And I moved to, to Seattle and started, started out in Seattle. Okay. Um, I was reading and I, maybe I'm not exact on this, but like there's 50,000 internships at your company and like 8% of them actually get a job. Um, 
I don't know if that's right, but it was very competitive. I don't know if that's right either. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I did a little, I went online to the World Wide yeah. web and, and it told me that. Um, but my question is like, what advice, like, like if somebody is really dead set on going down this road and accounting professional services, um, as far as standing out, like in the process, I don't know if the interview process is similar where there's two or three times a year, but like, how do you differentiate yourself? Like, apart from your GPA? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's super competitive from a GPA perspective. I'm just so impressed with how hard all of the students work and, and their great GPAs. Um, it does come down to being able to hold a conversation and to really portray um, kind of their, their passions and their just be natural. I mean, that's, that's one thing that's, that I think is really important in the interview process. Um, someone that can come out and, and tell their story and, and why, why they want to, why they want to work for for your company. Um, I think that's really important, uh, understanding kind of their motivation and why they want to do it. Um, but it's funny, I, I've conducted a lot of interviews and it, and you you can kind of just tell, and and again, if it's a professional services in industry, we do end up kind of gravitating towards those people that have you can tell they they can work with people. They're they're not afraid to to talk, and um, I think that's what has stood out most in the interviews that I've conducted, because it's kind of a level playing field. The ones that end up getting getting selected to come in, they all have great GPAs. They all have extracurricular activity. Then it comes down to being able to to communicate and um, speak in a way that that really is, you know, makes you understand who they are as a person and and what their passions are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting. Some of the podcasts I've done, like I had two people that were are really successful in um, movie score, so they they do movie uh, music for movies, mm-hmm. and I always thought that's what I wanted to do because I love soundtracks uh non-lyrical just music kind of moves me in in a way and both of them talked so much about the one of the things that was so important is just the social skills the ability to uh interact with people and i always thought you know you go into a room and you write music you can be a total introvert but so many of my podcasts it comes down to the ability to communicate the likability factor and um it's it's interesting for me to hear that from you because i Sometimes think you you guys are looking for people that can just see a spreadsheet and like know you know AI or just know exactly where to go. But it's a lot right. about so social as well. So when you're interviewing these people, they're smart smart people. They they're motivated. But what's the what would you say is the one thing they don't really know about based on your years of being in the industry that maybe surprised you that they think they know this, but they probably don't know this and that. Is there anything about being in your industry that's kind of caught you off guard or that you didn't see coming? No, I, th- I think it's, I think it's just like how I was when I was in college that I don't really know what, <laughs> what, what they, you know, what accountants do in a big, big for a public accounting firm. Um, I didn't, they don't know until they're actually in the internship or, or hired, but I, I think it, for them, it's a surprise as to, oh, I didn't know you did that. You know, I don't, I didn't know that was going to be part of my job. I, you know, so I think, I think that's the one, one thing that as, as college students, you, 
you kind of don't realize what the job is totally all about until you until you get in it. I mean, you can be in the accounting classes and you're learning your debits and credits and learning about tax code and stuff like that. But um, but I think it's a little different when they actually get there. Can you tell me like maybe one or two of those things that when they say, hi, I didn't know I didn't know it was like this. What is one of those things or two of those things? Um, well, I would say um, part of part of what they have to do is they have to interview clients. They have to ask a lot of questions. They have to kind of delve into um, you know what their controls are and what and how they do things and what the processes are and and walk through the process. And so it's a lot of this again coming down to communication and and being able to talk with people and being able to listen and be able to absorb what they're absorb what they're saying, you know, taking notes. And, um, and so you don't think of that when you think of accounting and you think of the numbers and sitting down and figuring out, are the numbers right? Well, it's also when it comes to audits, it's also about their internal control structure, especially in public, public companies, um, that are on the, you know, public exchange and, um, there's even more in controls around that. So I think that that part's probably a little more surprising. Um, just yeah. those connections that they, they have to make with the client. Yeah, no, I, I uh, it's interesting. Cause I, I wasn't thinking about that. Like I was thinking, what's it like to do? And, and it's not just task oriented. It's also like you have to win the business and then it makes me yeah. think, okay, why is a big bank? Like, I think you have a lot of banking clients why would a ABC company choose you guys versus, you know, mm -hmm. another, like, is it just about personal relationship? Cause you guys probably all are pretty darn good. Right. Um, yeah. what is different about your company or is it just about personal relationships? Well, I think number one, it is about personal relationships, but number two, it's each firm has kind of their, their industries that, that they're really good in or that they do more of. So we do we do a lot of banking and a lot of banking on the East Coast as well. And so that that's um, when you get that broad experience and then you have we have multiple teams and multiple partners and multiple uh, associates that have had that experience on other similar engagements and so similar jobs, then it just makes it more marketable because they know the industry. When you have when you have a team that doesn't know the industry, it it I think it's really frustrating for for clients and and that's and you know that will come out in a proposal process um when you work through that so that's those that's why they would pick whichever firm if it's kpmg which is great we love that um but we want to make sure that we have the right skills and the right industry background that that can serve them well got it and you guys are based in the netherlands so yeah, it was a, a Dutch company. Company so it's KPMG is Kleinveld, Piet Marwick, Girdler. So Kleinveld, Girdler came together with Piet Marwick, um, which was you know standalone firm. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it's a really long name. So we we leave it at KPMG, and they think we're a radio, like a radio show yeah. or something like that. A lot of people that don't know. <laughs> what is that KPRG in Cincinnati? I don't know if you remember right. that TV show. No, yeah. Something. No, now I'm now I know. I think you guys are probably responsible for acronyms because nobody I wanted so. to say. Um, I remember when I get I got into technology and I worked for um, I, I got interviewed by Mark Cuban. I worked for him and then we became part of Yahoo. And I remember like all these acronyms. I'm like, what is this? Like, you know what I mean? Like everything yeah. was an acronym. Yeah. Um, yeah. so if somebody, okay, so someone's watching, listening, and 
they're they're all in on going down this road. So when you get into the firm or a an accounting firm like yours or a cons- uh, it, is it typical to like stay put for a year, five years and then move on? Do people stay in the same roles? Like, is there a lot of uh, upward mobility in a firm like yours? Yeah, that that's the one great thing about public accounting firms it is the movement up. It's not guaranteed. You got to you have to deliver and you have to um, do your job in, in, in a good way that's being noticed. But but there are very, um, very, deep, you know, set steps um, on what levels. And so um, typically you come in as a, an associate, you're an associate for a couple of years, you get promoted to be a senior and then a couple of years at that and then get promoted to be a manager and then it goes senior manager and managing director to partner. Um, so it's a very kind of routinized um, stair-step process that, that we have. So definitely movement for moving upward. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things I look back on when I was in college and, and interviewing and, and in my head, and it's kind of, it's kind of the thought process that a, a lot of, a lot of those early hires have is like, oh, I'm just going to stay for two years because you need you need those two years to to fulfill your CPA license, and, and then I'm going to go do something else. Um, so, and in some cases, that that is the case, um, but others they because okay, each each step is different. It's not boring because you don't you don't end up staying at the same level and you don't end up doing the same thing every year. So that's the really nice thing is there's a lot of variety in in what we do. And because you're moving up so fast, you're always being challenged. Like I'm still at a point where like I'm still learning. I'm still learning a lot and I will be challenged until I think until I retire uh, because it's there's there's something new all all the time. So why there's one of you, right, for Seattle? Yes. Yeah. So, So I don't mean to put you on the spot like but. What is what? Why you? Like, what is it? Why do you think Amy was like? And I know that there's a lot of reasons, but I'm just curious, like, because I think it'd be interesting for the audience to kind of hear about what translates to your success. Like, was it the likability? Was it the full range of just the experience of all the different steps you took? Or, I mean, what? I, I guess I would think it would be a competitive job to get, but why did they choose Amy for this? Um, you know, I think it was, I, I've been involved in national, um, KPMG board. So I was on the national women's advisory board, um, finding ways to have programs and support for, for women within our firm to, to mentor them and advance them as well. So I was doing a lot of national things and I, and I already also intended to be doing a lot in the community. I was on the, the board of the Seattle sports commission and, so I was kind of external facing, um, and and the fact that I, I'm more so social than probably a lot of the others. It's funny. It was years ago, but the the office managing partner at the time, you know, took me to lunch, and he's like, "So would you ever want this role?" And I'm like, "Oh heck no! Why would I subject myself to that kind of scrutiny?" Because you know, when you're when you're in leadership like that, I mean not everybody loves you and you're not always doing the right thing and they're, you know, in everyone's eyes. And, and so I'm like, I, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm a line partner. I, 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 you know, I don't want to get subject to that and that there's a lot of pressure. So, so years went by and, and it, 
turned out that um, the office managing partner was getting promoted to a, a national role. And so it was opening up and he came to me again. He's like, so, you know, I have to submit three, three names as recommendations. And he goes, you know, do you want it? And I'm like, and this was in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm like, I, I don't know. And talk to John, my husband, um, who is, has a very different career than me. You know, he's a wildlife artist and he totally, we're in such like different, different paths. Like corporate America is not the world that he lives in. But, but we talked about it for a long time and, you know, decided that I'd kick myself if I didn't try. I'm like, I don't know that I really want it, but I'll, I'll look back on this and go, well, why didn't I try? And so, you know, I went through the whole process and interview process and you had to get a lot of support and um, I ended up getting it. And I was kind of like, well, okay, well, I don't know if I really want it, <laughs> I got it. But it honestly was the best thing. I'm, I'm like so, so happy that I did it. I, uh, I would have regretted it had I not tried. And it was more of my, um, probably my feeling of, that, oh, I can't do it, you know, and I don't, you know, and that's just something that I think a lot of females have in their head. They're like, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I can do it. Um, whereas sometimes guys, and I'm not speaking for all guys, but they go, heck, I, I can do this. I don't have this experience, but I, I can do it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will just say, I, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of fear and just fear of success, fear of failure. So I think that's, um, common in both yeah. both uh sexes i mean i it, it's interesting um I, I imagine like you know this podcast is called the zone of genius and that's not my term it's uh gay hendrix is an author and talks about when you're kind of doing what's natural kind of where you're born in, in this world um just like your husband who's an yeah. amazing artist and, and yourself and by the way i love the contrast it's always my wife and i always talk about opposites and I, I know there's foundational consistencies with you guys and values but it's always so interesting when i think of all the people i know you guys are like you know counting and <laughs> and artists and it's like it's yeah. it's crazy opposites attract but i know there's also some similarities but where was i going on this um oh the failure um i would just oh genius zone i would assume that you were in your zone of genius like this is a very natural fit for you and then and then the reason i bring this up is because what i'm trying to do is get young adults to kind of take inventory of the obvious like the things that light them up you know what they do on a saturday for eight hours because when you're running a race that you actually should be winning or that you want to win or that it's a good fit you kind of distance yourself and like i see people who are really successful that are in perfect careers and i i just could imagine I, i'm guessing you are in the perfect role because it's what you were meant to do you it kind of fits all your skill sets yeah i i feel like it now and that's why i refer to it as my my dream job um you know i like client service i've done that but it was one of those things it's like i'm doing it for i mean i'm going on 27 years and i think 27 years in public accounting 28 years. So it's, I mean, it's a long time. And so um, 28, I, I did my homework on you. 28, I think 95 to 2023, <laughs> 22 years at KPM. And then I think six or something at Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I think this is, I feel like I landed in a spot where, where I was meant to be never in a million years would have thought that, 
looking back at myself 30 years ago, I'd be like, yeah. no way. There's no way. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I think that's a common. I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people feel like I'm not enough or I'm not smart enough. And yep. even at 53 years old, which I am, I still struggle sometimes with just kind of that feeling. Um, getting into kind of the, you talk about the women that you've been working with and some of the boards and so forth. Is there anything you feel like you want to speak to of the women that are watching um, that might have misconceptions or maybe they have ideas of what they should do versus a man? I mean, like, I don't know what you're, I don't even know how to ask, but like, I think that's a great topic because I think there's a lot of people that think they need to go down a certain road and you are a mom, you're successful in your career. Um, you've done it all. Like, is there anything you might want to say to a young woman who's maybe struggling with, I want to do this, but it doesn't feel like a right job for a woman. Yeah. Um, that that's always the struggle and, and what works for one woman doesn't work for the other. And so, um, it, it's definitely a different path for each person that picks it, but but I, I'm really proud. Our office has a lot of females and a lot of lot of females that are having babies or just had babies. And and we have women in leadership that have children and have done it. Um, and not to say that, like, I look back on that and go, oh, that was easy. I, I was able to work and have babies and and travel and uh, nurse at this all at the same time. It was super easy. Well, it, it, it wasn't. And I, you know, don't want to state it like it was because it's not, but it was a choice for me that was right for me. Um, and it's about the village that you create to help you, to help you be able to, for me, it was keep my career, um, which was so important. I just felt like I had worked so hard to, to get to where I was and taking that darn CPA exam is not easy. So I'm like, of the road to get to where I was, it was like, I don't want to just give it up. And that was my choice. I mean, I could have, you know, I, and I thought about it, do I be a stay at home mom or do I continue on this path? Um, and my choice for me, and, and there was a lot of support from the firm and, and there's even way more support today than there was when I first had, had my girls. Um, and, and I was part of on that national women's advisory board, part of making that difference is that, you know, we have to give women time. We have to give men time who have children who have new babies as well. So we have parental leave um, when new children come into the into the mix. Um, but but it's going to be different. I, you know, I don't want to tell one woman that this is this is the way to do it. But but I do want to say that you can. And and if you want it, you have to figure out what you want. Um, and for me, I know I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I actually don't think I would have been very good. I think I'm a I'm a decent mom, but to be here in day in and day out, I I probably wouldn't have been the best. So for me, I felt like going to work and showing that I'm independent and um, you know I I can do this in business and show my children that um, that that's that was what was important for me. Yeah. Tell me our. Tell the audience a little bit about kind of like your day, your, your week, your, like what's a, what's a Sunday afternoon or a Thursday night? Like, are you a nine to five, eight, like do you go into an office, leave the office and then are you done or does your phone follow you to bed and early in the morning? Like 
what, what's it like to do your job? I'm like, is there freedom? Is there, can you shut it yeah. off or are you always on? Um, so the great thing about, about this career path, it, there's a lot of flexibility because we tend to, and it's changed in COVID. I mean, it completely changed business overall. And so we don't go to the, to the office or out to the client five days a week. There's, it's a hybrid mixture. So we work at home sometimes and work in the office. We're trying to bring people back three days a week and because of the camaraderie that that builds and having our people together. Um, but there's flexibility. I mean, I, for, for us, it's making sure that you're being responsive to clients, whether it's, you know, if you have to be up early and get in an early call, but maybe you, maybe you don't work late that night, but I'm one that can then can shut it off. I mean, there's a point where I like, you know, certain lines that aren't crossed with, with my family and family time. And, um, but if we're under deadlines, you know, I'll, I'll work the 12, 14 hour day if, if we need to, to get, to meet a deadline. And, and it's just cyclical, you know, it's kind of throughout the year. Um, but it's being flexible. So my Monday may be different than next Monday. And so each week is, is really different. Yeah. Um, and I know, this is a big question. It could be a long podcast just to answer this, but like the value proposition, I know you have different services you provide, but at the end of the day, a company is hiring a firm like yours to handle or outsource. Is it the books? I mean, like what exactly is, is the value that you're providing? And if that's a bigger question, maybe the value that your division provided, like, yeah, what is, what is it you actually do? I know it's, we can say you're an accounting firm and you do professional services, but what exactly is it that you're, you're providing to a, a big bank? I think bank of India, for example, is a client or whatever. What are you doing for them? Yeah. So let's do it from the audit perspective, because that's what I am an audit partner. So um, and let's take a, a public company. So a company that has a ticker symbol that's out on the public exchange, you can buy their stocks, you know, for let's say $10 per share. And um, they have a requirement. They have to have audited annual financial statements. Um, so this is a requirement. And then my industry that I'm in, um, healthcare, healthcare uh, systems issue public debt public bonds. So they're required to have audited financial statements. So it's a requirement. Um, so we come in and, and conduct the audit of the financial statements and making sure that it's in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. And so we have our test mechanisms and how we test all of the areas on the balance sheet, the income statement, cash flows. And, and then we help in preparing the annual financial statements that get issued. And we sign an opinion saying it's in conformity with, in all material respects um, with the standards and we sign KPMG and, and those get issued. So that's from, from an audit perspective. From a tax perspective, it's tax preparation, um, you know, doing tax provisions, preparing 990s, preparing tax, tax uh, forms. And, and then from advisory and consulting, it's kind of, there's a, a wide spread of things that they can do, you know, whether it's from technology and implementing new systems and um, figuring out better revenue recognition processes. And so it's, it's, it, there's a lot of different avenues that from a consulting side that, that we go down. No, that's actually really helpful. Uh, that 
I should, I feel like I should have known this, but I, I didn't know that. I mean, that's, um, I mean, I don't want to say the word, but it feels like a, it's like insurance for a company to make sure whatever they're doing, they're doing safely and they're not harming the public with wrong information or I don't know. I, I guess one of the questions that's popping in my head that I talked to a lot of my technology podcast guests on is I'm just curious where you see AI going in terms of changing your industries and maybe the future of your industry or your companies like yours is AI a huge part as far as complementing or is it eliminating jobs? It's, it's massive. And in fact, we just made a really big investment in AI um, with a local large company in town, um, which was public. Um, it was with, with Microsoft, but we're, we're making a big push and big step towards that. And it is, I mean, it's changing the way that we're, we're doing our work. Um, will it eliminate jobs? I think it'll shift how, how our people work. Um, and who knows? I mean, that's the future and I'll probably be retired by the time it actually really gets rolling and imp implemented. Um, cause I'm down to single digits for my, for my career. So, um, but we're, we're making a big push and then our clients in every industry has some touch of AI that, that is starting to, to be implemented. Um, and with our advisory teams, we're working with with those companies and implementation and and you know different different avenues on on AI. But it, it's, I mean, if 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 we don't go there now, we're going to be behind. Oh yeah, I mean, again, I I can't articulate. I'm not an expert in AI, although I, there's a podcast I listen to called All In, and they talk a lot about it. Uh, I just think with all the data and the the uh, tools you all use to forecast and analyze, I would just think AI has got to be a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, and it will will be more so in cool. the future. As we wind down, um, what uh, one question I did want to ask is compensation, not like what you make, Amy, but like in your type of industry, is it typically a salary a job and then maybe a salary plus bonus? or is there commission or do you, you know, RSU stock options as income, how people, how are people typically compensated in your industry? So we don't have stock options because we're a limited liability company, which are, is what all the public public accounting firms are. <clears throat> it is a salary. Um, it's a salaried position. Um, and, and in good years, when we have good uh, performance, there, there is an incentive comp, um, possibility as well. So, um, yeah, so full okay. salary and changes a little as you make partner, but that's it. Then you're in a partnership and it, okay. it becomes a little more complicated. Cool. No, I just don't think people think about money and compensation. I think they think, I know lawyers make good money or doctors or whatever, or, but they, you know, even in sales, there's like 20 flavors of, you know, are you selling to strangers? Are you selling to friends? Are you selling, are you building a book of business like a financial advisor and that you get paid on every year? So I think the compensation is a, an interesting thing that people need to understand. What is one thing, um, not to be negative, but maybe what's the hardest part or maybe something about your job or career, if you could eliminate it? I mean, is there one thing <laughs> that if, let's say your kids are old enough and they say, mom, I want to follow in your footsteps and you're like, cool, but I want you to know about this and this or that. Is there one thing? Um, 
Well, it takes hard work and you got to pay your dues in the beginning. Like you got to pay your dues, um, you know, and, and any profession you go into, you want to, you want to do your best and work hard. Um, but also have flexibility in your life. You know, you have to designate what's important to you and make sure you make time for that too. What about one thing you just absolutely love about your, your job or your career or your industry? Um, I love that, that the position that I've gotten to in, in what I do has allowed me to, to be invited to be on boards in, in town that I, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to do. And the people that I've gotten to meet through that has been extraordinary. And, and the feeling of being a part of the city of Seattle. So I, that my my career has allowed me to be able to do that and put me in a place to be able to do that, um, which which I wouldn't have other otherwise. Yeah, I love it. Um, last, is there anything I haven't asked that you think like people need to know or something on the tip of your tongue? Maybe advice that you might want to give to say a young woman or a young man that's like maybe they're struggling, maybe they're really stressed out about what the heck am I going to do with my life? Um, yeah. Any career advice? Well, I think it goes back to what I talked about in the beginning is like, try it, try something, try something that maybe you don't think that, that you would be good at or that you'd like, you don't know until you, until you try it and you might fall, fall into accounting like, like I did not person, not liking math or not feeling like they're good at math. So I'd say, just try it. It's, nothing's going to hurt you. It's, you just got to try. Yeah. I love it. Go for it. Okay. So let's just say this chapter ends in five years, six years, whatever. Um, I asked this question. I, I stopped asking this. I don't know why, but it's, I think it's an interesting question. Is there a dream job? Like, you know, and I know you really love what you do now, but let's just say to make it easier, just take that off the table. You can't do what you're doing. Like, is there a job that you've dreamed of that, you know, like I told you, for me, it would be like maybe writing music um, for movies or something like that. Is there one for you that you would love to do? Um, I don't know. I so look forward to retirement, <laughs> to play a lot of golf and, and you know, enjoy travel. Uh, when I was young, I used to want to be a performer. I wanted to sing, dance, act like that. That was like my dream, you know, when, when I was young, when I retired, that's probably not what I'm going to go into. I think I'm past the, past the time of being able to do that, but that would have been like my dream job. Yeah. I mean, travel, I mean, I think John's been to Africa, what, 70 times? Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you been a bunch? 15. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Well, Amy, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to see you guys sooner than later. Uh, you know, it seems like once a year, right around Christmas time is when we see you guys, but hopefully we can find some time and uh, connect. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy your holiday. Tell John hi, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Dirk. Yeah. All right. Take care.